Yes, it does. Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, in for Melissa Lee. Our traders on the uh, the Delta House desk today, Tim, Bluto, Seymour. No, I'm sorry. We decided you were hotter. Uh, Brian, uh, Pinto, Kelly. No, Steve Bluto. Steve Bluto, Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight, the S&P surging to a new all-time high for the first time since September. The traders uh, tell you what they are still buying at record highs. You said you're glad you're not floundering. I'd, I'd much uh, rather uh, be uh, Bluto. We're going to start with alphabet earnings. The stock is falling after a big revenue miss and after the tech giant had closed in the session at a record high, but now it's down almost 7%. That's a market cap loss uh, right, uh, right there. We've got full team coverage as uh, the conference call is underway. Josh Lipton is going to tell us what's happening. He's out in San Francisco. And Gene Munster looks like that uh, one of those, those guys on the old talk shows. He's listening. Uh, the conference call from L.A. Let's kick it off uh, with Josh, who just spoke with the CFO, Ruth Porat of Alphabet. Hi, Josh. So, Joe, it's interesting. So, Alphabet beats on the bottom. Uh, TAC actually came in uh, lower than expected. CapEx did, too, at $4.6 billion. But as you mentioned, this revenue miss, they come in at $36.3 billion. Not good enough. Not what the street wanted to see. Uh, CFO, CFO Ruth Porat on the call explaining some of the trends to analysts that she's seeing here. Take a listen to what she had to say. There was a significant swing year over year in the impact of currency movements on our results this quarter, from a big tailwind in the first quarter of 2018 to a headwind in 2019. These affect both revenues and operating income given the majority of our expenses are in the U.S. Based on the continued strengthening of the U.S. dollar relative to key currencies, we expect a continued headwind to our revenues and operating income again in the second quarter. So we hear Poor out there saying these headwinds will continue. I did speak to Ruth Poor out just briefly there. Um, she mentioned those headwinds too. She also mentioned she's dealing with tough comps off a very strong 2018. And the timing of product changes, she said, also had an impact. The Q&A is just starting right now, so we'll get more color on what she means there. Uh, CapEx did see a year-on-year decline. Um, however, she just told analysts they still expect, anticipate the full-year CapEx investments will exceed those in 2018. They did mention um, the momentum they're seeing in cloud, but still no real insight into how exactly that business is performing, certainly not giving away the metrics that, let's say, Microsoft and Amazon does. I know analysts are often frustrated with YouTube, why they're not breaking that out. Um, still still nothing from them on that front either. This call, though, just getting started. Like I said, the analysts are just starting to ask questions. We'll bring you more headlines as we get them. Back to you guys. Josh, that was uh, must have been an eyebrow raiser for you when you saw it. You know, Kramer was talking about service revenue numbers earlier, and he noted Unfortunately, he nailed it, I think. Uh, thank you, Josh Lipton. Uh, Alphabet is the last of the FANG names to report. Facebook, uh, the winner so far, up 7% since its report. Amazon and Netflix also higher. And right now we have Alphabet as the only FANG loser, down about 7%. At least it's from all-time highs, uh, but 7% after hours. Uh, is this your best chance now to buy Alphabet, or is the stock's record run done, guys? Start. Well, Joe, first of all, Great having you on board. Long day for you as you start 6 a.m. So bring in the lumber. Bring in the yeah. lumber. I, you know, I know how Number you really one. feel about me versus Melissa, so you don't have to, to say that. <laughs> you like Melissa. That's fine. I'm here because I'm a We're team like player. We're like brother and sister. We're very close. I know you are. You and Joe? That's weird. That's very weird. So that's, I'll answer your question. Is, is now the best opportunity to buy the stock? My answer would be no. I don't think it is. This stock was a $1,000 stock, give or take, December 24th. 
traded up to 1300 you could argue 1000 was overdone to the downside and obviously now in retrospect 1300 was a bit overdone to the upside but i think it floats in down to around 1150 which is a 50% correction of that move tac traffic acquisition cost that came in it's a really strong number for them good for them but missing revenue by a billion dollars in this environment you're going to get punished and i think there's a little more pain ahead joe but for all, all of last year they were beating on EPS. They were a habitual beater on EPS by an average of 27%. And when you look at it now, I do think it's a buying opportunity. I think we were enamored with uh, the beats that people said, oh, oh, let's back it up here a little bit. It's still up 24% year to date. This is a buying opportunity. Not I, I don't know. I mean, to me, the story's changed a bit here. So you've got a couple things going on when you look underneath the numbers. It looks like they've changed some of the, their ad products out there. So maybe that's a response to what's going on in Europe. Maybe that's a response to privacy concerns. Secondarily, they've really made a big push with their hardware, which is the Pixel phones. And they're spending a lot of money to get that. And we don't see any traction on that. So I think it's going to take a couple quarters for this to filter out. And you, you can wait on this one. I don't think you buy this dip at all. Yeah, but... I- you know, Pinto, I think we have a case here where it's a pay click Why numbers. Pinto? You, you actually, <laughs> they're, they're all interchangeable. Anyway, I, I, I think the pay clicks number down significantly quarter over quarter sequentially is, is part of the trouble, the problem. And yes, the, the tax costs are a, a very actually healthy trend going lower for people that have been watching this. Uh, I, I, I tell you what, I care more, most about Waymo and I care most about YouTube because these are places I think is the most exciting kind of dynamic here. I think where people might be pushing this company around because forget FX, despite that that's the CFO's job, and Ruth Porat, I think, is doing a very good job at Google making uh, a complicated story be as you know fundamentally broken down into the silos that they are. I think FX doesn't bother me. I worry about Amazon. I worry about Amazon's ad business. I worry about the perception when people see paid clicks um, not growing as fast as they were, Joe. I think that's part of the problem. And you're not worried about European fines. I, I think that the market has done a great job at overlooking European fines. They're up to just under $8 billion probably in the last three years or so, and and it almost seems like it's a cost of doing business that the market has said, okay, we see some sort of an end to it, so we're not going to worry about it. So there's been a lot of headwinds for me about worrying about the privacy issues, worrying about the European concerns. And I think for the, in large part, I can start to overlook that, even, even though I still believe that they're still there to your I point. don't know, but I, I mean, to me, it's impacting revenue, right? That's the problem you have here, is that you, if, it's fine if there's fines, but if they have to change the way that they do business, which this quarter looks like they're doing. They're changing the way they do business. They're talking about YouTube potentially changing the way they do business to, to there. To me, the market has to, read, has to digest that and have the fact that revenues decline. I think that's the biggest thing. Revenues declined on this quarter. That, to me, is a change in the business plan, and you have to it's stay away. It's an important away. stock. Does it bother you, the NASDAQ? Is it a new high if Google is not... Uh pulling its way. Well, I, anything I, at a new high bothers me. It does. Yeah, it really does. Of, I don't know. It, you see it who's in the house? Yeah. Dom D-Day 2 yeah. is in yeah. the house. D-Day. D-Day. Yeah. D-Day. Is you, you good wow. with D-Day? Look at that. All right. It's got to be. Not anymore. I think we're can we, like, can we bring it back over to the set here? Not apparently. I got camera people scrambling. I, I can, I can apparently. Apparently strange for our audience. <laughs> this, looks like the, this looks like the episode of Game of Thrones. You see how dark it was last night? That's how it started right there. No light. Have any, can, can I just ask, has anyone in Delta House been sufficiently bullish? I haven't. I, I think I Brian Kelly has been. Brian, I, I have. Yeah. I, so, 
you know, my, my view on the market is as long as you have a okay economy and you have a Federal Reserve that's going to be accommodative, then you have to buy stocks. Even though that's, you're uncomfortable with it. Even though I get uncomfortable with yeah, it. I Tim, mean, I, it well, doesn't make me feel great. But you know what? I have the market that I have. So I got to trade it. Think of me as the guy sitting on the stairs playing an acoustic guitar, singing. Oh, I yeah, yeah, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. love right. cherry. Right. These guys are ready to take my guitar and break it. Break <laughs> it. <laughs> so um, I, I have been generally constructive. And if you think about Google, Google's moved you know, 32, 33 percent from those December 24th lows. They basically kept pace. With, with, with the triple Qs. They haven't been as strong as the semis, but Google's move here has been extraordinary. In fact, it went into these numbers as overbought on a relative strength indicator, a nine-day RSI of 82 going into this print. Does not surprise me to see the market punish it in the after hours. The bears will also say, hey, look, I think we've got a double top here. Let's go back to November, let's go back to November 7th, I believe, is the last time it made you know, kind of these highs. And I think, look, in the short run, that's... Take a little money off the table, but there's nothing that's changed here. If anything, to me, Google's starting to monetize some really exciting parts of their business model with a management team that I think is as focused as ever. Yeah, YouTube is going to be interesting when we finally break that out. But I think, to your point, it was overdone to the upside, which is why I don't think 1209 or 1210 is the bottom for now. I do think you can retest that 1150 level. It doesn't mean the company's broken. It just means the stock got ahead of itself. You mentioned Amazon. No, I think that's important. You go back to that Amazon quarter, and in the aftermarkets before Amazon, Amazon started talking about one-day delivery. That stock was actually headed lower. It traded below 1900 briefly, and it appears as though it wanted to continue to go down until they mentioned one-day shipping. So I would submit you're not seeing anything much different between what sort of what Amazon's saying, what's Google saying now. I think both stocks got ahead of themselves. Jeff Bezos warned us a couple weeks ago that right. the spend is coming, and I think the we market might wake up to it now. But but I, you know everyone's hoping for the breakout of all these numbers with Google. I don't think you're going to see the breakout to the point that we're all going to be satisfied. We're going to see revenue streams, but you have Apple pulling back on numbers, Twitter pulling back on numbers. The trend is not to give more numbers or not to give precise numbers. It's to give macro, and the macro still is bullish ultimately for Google. All right, we're, let's talk to Gene. Uh, for yeah, more, bring him for, in. Let's bring him yeah. in. Can we do that? Sure. Let's do it. You're running right. the show, uh, Joe. For, you brought in Dom. All right. Dom yeah, was I on did bring in Dom. He's got a, he's got, now we have a mic on, right, D-Day? I, I have a mic on right That a boy. <laughs> All right. We'll, 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 we'll I do be have with a mic you. on. Anyway, uh, uh, Gene looked like, what was Johnny Owens? Was that uh, let's bring in uh, Luke Ventures, up. founder and Fast Money friend, uh, Gene Munster. So, Gene, you've had some time to think. You've listened. You probably... And it took a little bit from, uh, from all the, the players here. We're, we're, give us something new. Uh, something new is Google is the oxygen of the Internet. And I think that uh, with all due respect to your esteemed uh, panel there, missing the bigger point here, which <laughs> this is inseparable from our lives. There may be some fines. They've had $5 billion fine, another billion and a half dollar potential, $8 billion lawsuit with Oracle. With $130 billion in cash, those don't matter. Cost of doing business, I agree on that. But, Joe, the, the kernel that needs to be added here is that nothing is perfect, but this company is finding more and more ways to become the fabric of our lives. And it's not just around search. Uh, it's becoming progressively around video. They're spending a lot more on content. You're going to hear more about YouTube uh, ultimately down the road. And then it's going to start impacting uh, these massive, the two biggest unaddressed markets right now from tech our transportation, that's a $7 trillion global number in terms of the spend there, and healthcare, which is around a $5 trillion number. These are big markets they're going after with Waymo and Verily. Uh, so uh, the, the simple take is yes. Uh, I, I don't think that this was an unimpressive quarter. I want to be clear about that. 
but I think that uh, this is a buying opportunity for the long term because this company is just going to become more and more ingrained in our every hour of our life. Um, what else, Gene? I mean, th these guys are, are mixed on whether you buy here. I, I'm not feeling, I, I don't know if I'm hearing a buy from you or, or a wait and buy from you. I'm, a, I'm in the camp of buying the pullback here. And the simple math, if I look at, yes, FX is going to have a negative impact. That's the reason why the stock is sliding uh, to uh, Josh's clip that he played of Ruth Peratt, that FX impact is going to have a negative impact on revenue growth this year. Stock traded down on that news. I think that's created an opportunity here because the FX obviously is just a pendulum. This will be a difficult year for FX and then we pick up a headwind next year. And so I think there's an opportunity if we just kind of play these numbers forward a couple of years from now, the company should still earn around $65. If you put a kind of a consistent multiple on it of 25 times, you get close to 30% uh, or more than 30% upside now at the current levels. And so I'm a clear believer. I don't want to uh, create any excuses for uh, some things that are a little bit, some annoyances in the quarter, but I think this is, this is a story to own. Hey, hey Gene, so I'm a trader, so I'm only going to be looking out maybe the next 90 to 180 days. So let's kind of take that lens on it. Does it bother you that they are making some changes to the way they have to do business, whether it be the way that they're serving up ads, the privacy concerns, uh, and the content concerns with YouTube? Do you think the market's going to have to digest that for the next couple quarters? I do, and I, I, want to, I do not want to send a mixed message here. I think that you should own Google. There is some complications around how the timing of all this plays out. Specifically, if you look at what's happening around privacy, and I don't think that they have had, if you will call it, the day of reckoning that Facebook has had. And so that potentially could have an impact. I think that uh, going into a political cycle, that could have an impact. To me, at the end of the day, though, yes, that can have a negative impact on the stock in the near term, but doesn't change the long term. So to answer your question, is a, it is something that concerns me, but does not overweigh my uh, broader view of the company. Gene, it's Tim. Why, why would the stock be down 7.5% on FX concerns? I mean, come on. Because I'm a bull here. And, and to me, and I'm not, I mean, I'm a long-term investor in the company. And, and my view is, other than it being oversold so the traders can do what they want, um, this, this smells more like something secular, right? They're, we're not going to sell off this company on FX concerns because that is transitory. And that's not really at the fabric of where this company is either seeing pressure on their margins, pressure on their paid clicks. So I don't think that uh, investors are taking Ruth Pratt at face value. I think what they're reading uh, between the lines when she talks about right. FX, I think they're incorrectly reading that this is some problem right. with their overall underlying business. So we got to change it. It's not cotton. The Aaron Neville. Remember that? Aaron Neville, fabric of our life. What you're talking So oh, Google, right. we got we to gotta record that again. What's your grade for the, the, the quarter? Gene, what did you bring? I'm giving uh, Google a B minus. Uh, had some uh, nicks in the armor nice. here, but still is a, a good company to own. All right, you know who can do that? Quintanilla. Can do what's can do what? Aaron Neville. You would not know the difference. The guy who sang that, Fabric of Our Lives. Right. He can One do of my it. favorite songs. Can he, can he do yeah. it with Google as the Fabric of Our he, Lives? He could record it, and you'd think it was Aaron. I'm not kidding. I'm going to ask him to do it. So we got to trade. We, we have to trade this now. I'm told. Well, so, great. Yeah. I mean, who's going to B minus? I mean. I, I, like a, I think it's like a rubber stamp. In I think it's a class, rubber stamp. I'm more I mean, in the C camp. You agree with the grade? No, I don't. Yeah. I just said I don't it's agree with the grade. I'm more of in the C camp. I mean, you can talk about uh, headwinds, FX headwinds all you want. The reality is they missed on revenue. That's a very important component of this. They missed by a billion dollars. I think the stock got ahead of itself recently. I think 1150 is in the crosshairs. And I'll add this. 
I think the Amazon should be lower as well. Not necessarily on the back of this, but I think Amazon could probably breach that $1,900 level as well. I- I think you have to. I think you have to wait on this, right? I mean, we, we they're already, as Gene said, they haven't had the day of reckoning like Facebook has had when it comes to the privacy concerns. I think when you have that day of reckoning, then you can buy it. Then you can take Gene's long-term thesis and let it play out. But until that day comes, but when is that until, day? But when well, is that you day? You see him on Capitol Hill. They come in, they testify on Capitol Hill, it's all negative. I think, Google's we've, seen, down. I think we've seen that we've seen that day of reckoning. I think that day is probably already hit the pinnacle of how bad the, the headwind is going to be for Google. Now I could agree with a C grade. I can agree with a C plus, B minus, doesn't matter. I still think the stock is viable right now, and I can't argue with you. This is day one of the incident. You see it after right. hours, down over seven percent. Wait a couple of days, wait till the smoke clears. But this is a quality company with a bunch of levers that we're just finding out about that you can pull. And if I may tie it together, Joe. I mean, it, it looks kind of like uh, Fred Dorfman's car after that trip to Emily Dickinson <laughs> University. And, and I don't think that was fair. This is really getting changed. You know? Dom, Dom, it, it, it's, Dom's it's, not here yeah. yet. It's almost fi- one stock. It's 520. One stock. One stock <laughs> with these guys. Stock. One stock. Joe, it's almost five. One thing? Can you imagine, Dom, you do like 18 stocks in, in, a, in a minute and a half, don't That's you? That's because your show makes me do all That's right. All right. They're yelling at me. I got to go to the team. This is the first. I got to go to a team. Coming up, stocks hitting a record high today. Financials are surging. And Chartmaster says it's not too late to get in on this rally. Then later, Boeing CEO speaking out at the company's shareholder meeting today. We're going to tell you what he said. They had all of Wall Street talking, plus Dom Chu. If I hadn't mentioned it, he's here. Much more fast money right after this break. That was on air? That whole thing was on air? Yeah, it was all on air. Yeah. Welcome back to Fast Money. Uh, Boeing giving updates on the 737 MAX fallout at its annual shareholder meeting today. Elon Mui is in Chicago uh, with more on this. It was, uh, it's been 12 hours since I saw you last, Elon. How are you? Good to see you. Joe, Dennis Mullenberg gave a mea culpa today. Over and over, he said that Boeing has to earn and re-earn the public trust. And when asked directly about whether he should resign and questions about his leadership, here's what he said. And I can tell you that both of these accidents weigh heavily on us as a company. I've had the privilege of working for the Boeing company for uh, 34 years. And uh, we know that lives depend on what we do. Right now, he said the company's top priority is getting the 737 MAX planes back in the air safely. As for whether or not they would compensate airlines for revenue lost while the planes are grounded, Mullenberg said that's still under discussion. We're going to be working very closely with our airline customers and with the FAA and with regulatory authorities around the world as we finish up the certification process on the software update and have safe uh, re-entry into service. We're going to be diligently doing that airplane by airplane with our customers. I think getting it back up and flying is obviously a key step in rebuilding confidence. Southwest and American Airlines both expect the planes to be back in service by the end of August, but some analysts say that timeline is too optimistic. Today, Mullenberg said that he and other Boeing officials will be on the inaugural flights whenever they may occur. Back over to you. All right, uh, Ilan. Uh, thank you. Um, now, we're going to trade this, Tim. Let's do it. And, and, and look, we, we basically, you know, if you listen also to their investor day or the recent uh, earnings numbers, you know, you got no real guidance. You have no real sense when the FAA is going to necessarily give clearance for these MSCS uh, improvements to allow them to begin shipping. Uh, so what you have to do is ultimately take out your max 737s from the equation between now and year end. And what it leaves you with is a company that by 2021 um, is exactly where it is right now. So the 
question is, do investors need to do anything right now? The answer is possibly not. But I have to tell you, uh, the way the stock behaves and the, the history here with the FAA and Groundings tells you you actually want to own the stock probably out three to four weeks into that movement. You would say that this is the most scrutiny that's been, I, I think it is, this is the most scrutiny that's ever been with a, with a company the size of Boeing with an incident that Boeing just had. So I was a long-term holder of Boeing. I still believe that there's tremendous headwinds going forward. If, so, if, if there's so much as a hiccup on another flight or another plane, this is going to be a disaster for Boeing. So I, I think this is still a no-touch. It's still up 70% well, year yeah. to date. I mean, I've actually been surprised how well it's held up in, in light of everything. And in particular, it seems like this is dragging on a lot, a lot longer than I had expected. You know, 360, that is your support level. So if you own it or you're thinking about owning it, if it drops below 360, there's probably something going on that you don't know about time to get out. It's all about risk-reward in this trade. I don't think there's massive upside in the very short term either, though. I think you can own it here. I mean, it's interesting. People, I'm not suggesting anybody here does or our audience does, but people forget there's a defense component to Boeing as well. And today they got awarded a $5.7 billion contract uh, for, for, fighter, for some sort of planes or combat control capability system. Regardless, my point is, it's not just commercial planes. Yes, this is a big deal, but the cash flow is ridiculous. Valuation is compelling. I think you can buy the stock here. Okay, we're going to end it uh, on that uh, note. I'm just wondering whether we all start at some point just walking on 737 maxes without it. Someday that will happen, where we're walking on. We won't even know we're walking on. You won't on know. Yeah, you we won't, won't even know. know. I think I'd that, get on one. Come on. Uh, yeah, right. it, 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 a pilot knows what's going on in a first mate. Anyway, for more on uh, Boeing and... What's next for the stock as the fallout over the 737 MAX continues, head on over to CNBC.com. And from one big industrial name to another 3M, remember what happened? Uh, Getting slammed since its earnings report down 13%. We're going to hear from the CEO about what he says Wall Street is getting wrong. There's much more fast money, including Dom Chu, right after this quick break. Welcome back uh, to Fast Money. The Nasdaq and the S&P uh, notching all-time highs today. Dom Chu joins us on set uh, with all the details. Finally. 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 Here. Yeah. <laughs> and at opposite ends of the day, Joe, normally we're always together in the... But usually part. not in the same location. This no, no, is, no, no, no. This is always, why it's fun. Apart. Yes. This is fun, and I always love being with these guys, mm-hmm. especially on a record day for stocks. Okay. It is a record day for stocks. So if you take a look at where the standouts were in this whole move higher... Today, it was about the financials. And those financials, not just the money center banks like Citigroup and J.P. Morgan, but other big ones as well. Take a look at some of these gains that we've seen. The big bank breakout. And what you're seeing is a chart for those who are listening on Sirius XM Radio. J.P. Morgan so far this month up 15%. Morgan Stanley, not a money center bank, but still 15%. Citi, 14%. B of A, 12%. You get the idea. If you look at today's trading, it was the financials, that sector in the S&P that really led the way higher as well. And what you are seeing right now is perhaps a bit of a breakout. And when I say that, I mean, if you look at the KBE, which is the Spider Bank ETF, or the Spider Regional Bank ETF, KRE, both are now trading above their 200-day moving averages or their longer-term trend lines. All of these banks set up for what could be a bullish narrative only because the financials have been underperformers over the course of the past year-to-date period and one-year period as well. So, Joe, I guess the point being here is if you were looking for some kind of a reason to be more bullish 
on the overall market. It is that financials had not been part of that leadership hire. They are right now. The bears will say, well, they're playing catch up and this is the sign of a top. But I mean, the earnings season was pretty solid. The beats were better than expected. So maybe financials have their day. I would say this. And Joe, you've heard it before. How many guests have come on our air over the course of the past two or three years saying that financials were due to break out and they've just been kind of sitting there for a while. So that's that's kind of where we stand right now. And I'm not sure exactly. It, it helps to go to the charts in a case like this. It does. This. You know I what think, we should do. Um, uh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, with, with, the market, uh, see, with the market sitting at uh, record highs, our next guest says there's still two names that are worth Worth, oh boy, worth a buy. Chart master Carter Worth, nothing gets by me, is over at the plasma to break it down. Hey, Carter. Hi there, hi there. Sure, there are more than two, of course, but I've got two good ones, I think. And uh, first, let's talk about where we are in relation to where we've been. What we know is the following, that the market peaked on September 21st, and here we are seven months later, basically the end of April. And the S&P today got slightly above its high of September 21st and actually closed almost near the low at 29.43, so we're two points above the prior high. Whereas almost every major aggregate from the transports, you see here the Russell 2000, obviously has not done that. Not, that's either the problem with the market or the opportunity, meaning there are people who believe that these have catch-up potential and that this sort of super cap-led uh, rally in the S&P will be followed up by others. But I think the more important thing is, independent of that, is try to find individual securities, if you can, that have lagged and that maybe have potential to catch up. So let's try to do just that. But first, the S&P chart, we are exactly back to the high. It's a virtual V, down and up. And this leaves us with the following setup. Here is the sequence. It looks a bit busy, but take a look. Up, 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 up. That's one, two, three, four, five five, six advances, and five declines. The sequence here calls for your next decline. Doesn't make it bad or good. If you're bearish, you think the decline won't be three to five percent, it'll be 15 or 20. And if you're bullish, you want this to happen because what's worse is if you just keep exploding up, then you get an overbought condition. Either way, the sequence would call for some sort of give back. And we are, of course, right at that former high. Typically, before you exceed a high, you contend with the high. Contending is backing filling or some sort of backing away. Laggards. Now, technique for buying laggards. You don't buy a Rite Aid 150 to 9 on its way to maybe zero or a Tesla going straight down. You try to find something that's at least bottomed. So I want to look at two stocks. One is uh, a financial and one is not a financial. Here's Ford Motor. You can draw the line several ways, but one way to draw the line is as follows. We've moved above the downtrend line. That's an important development. And it's also what you would characterize as a bearish to bullish reversal. The 150-day moving average is just starting to flatten. Now compare that, for instance, to Morgan Stanley. It's the exact same setup. Here's the trend line. Again, moving above the trend line or use a moving average to measure trend, a bearish to bullish reversal. So laggards like this, as opposed to something that's just doing this like a Schlumberger, no thanks. So the chartist, I'll end with this, is a coward. The chartist wants to wait for it to bottom. You go first, and then go with the momentum once it's turned. Hmm. Chartmaster. Chartmaster. Aka, Greg Marmalard. We have room. Come over. Come join us uh, at the desk. Oh. Here comes the wall. Got another Holy cow. This is, this is, this is what's called a party. Yeah. 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 Can, can, party? can we handle this? We, can, we have room over here. <laughs> I tell you what, there's a lot of firsts tonight, Joe. And, um, and this, this is, is uh, we do. the two guys in the suits at the end. I know, right? <laughs> Good stuff. All right. So, uh, which, which uh, you know, 
you guys are never at a loss for words. Which of so, Carter uh, sucks? Carter, let's talk about financials here, first of all. We, we've been talking about this bank resurgence. They certainly are a place people look for leadership. Is this that moment we've been waiting for? Well, it's more of the catch-up trade that you were referring to. It's not leadership, right? I mean, financials on a relative basis peaked six weeks after the election and essentially after the Trump bump. And industrials, financial materials, all the cyclical uh, trade has been underperforming. In fact, if you look at value versus growth on a relative basis, we're now below the 09 lows. Um, it's basically a growth-led, defensive-led recovery. From September to now, the V, it's been led by utilities on top, followed by REITs, followed by staples, tech. It's all defense. From here, we need more of it industrial financials in order for the market to get. You know, so, it's funny, uh, though, I mean, what, what I would say to that is if you look at the valuations on some of these defensive names, I mean, right now the consumer staples are on a forward basis or trading like cheap. 19 times. Not They're not cheap at all. Mm -hmm. So it's obvious that this trade has been playing out. People have been going into staples. They don't want it to necessarily be in utilities in that defensive end, but they figure consumer names will give them a little bit of growth prospects and at least a bit of a dividend. I mean, so, so that's Carter, when, when, when you look at the XLF, though, and you go back pre-crisis, we hit those levels and we talked about the double top. That still scares me. And to assume, when you, when you ask the question, what do you buy at all-time highs? You, you have to assume that we're going higher. So if you assume we're going higher, it has to be growth names I, in my book. It has to be well, tech because tech is again, what's performing. You had a barbell. You want to stick with something that's steady, orderly, up and to the right, an Abbott kind of thing. And then you want to find some not established downturns, but something that's basic, something like a Morgan Stanley or a Ford. But you don't want to just stay in steep, uncorrected names because you can get a, a, a Xilinx-type move that got murdered last week, yes? So, Carter, I'm curious. The, the, the one chart you had up there, the one table you had up there, showed we've basically been treading water for a number of months here. We've seen this rotation, right? So we've seen some of the idiosyncratic growth in the FANG stocks. Maybe those are leading or utilities. Are we now looking at a rotation into financials and industrials? So what, what would re require, while you can, you've got to pick those winners, that's the portfolio manager's job, that's the individual investor's job, but what we know is the top six stocks in the S&P are the same weight as the bottom 300. If we have more trouble, a Google-type thing, if Apple comes up, it doesn't matter how much rotation you get, we're just going to churn at the highs, yes? Because the math doesn't work if, you're, if you've heard from all your champions and they're not progressing. It's interesting. You know, you look at the banks, Joe, and Dom knows this. I know CBW knows. Go, JP Morgan, for example. Tangible book in, in JP Morgan is $57.60. At today's close, JP Morgan is trading two times price of tangible book. That is a heady valuation in this environment, I think. Now, you could say they deserve it. That's fine. But how much more can it go in an environment where banks have effectively become utilities? Goldman Sachs, give or take, is trading right around tangible book or maybe slightly above. So I can understand why Goldman is trading. I just think J.P. Morgan might be ahead of and itself. And nothing to do with tangible. Their balance sheets are in the best shape they've been in in decades. And yet their provisions for loan loss and nothing like are very, very low. That always happens late. Interestingly, the credit card companies all popped last week. You saw Capital One coming to life, Discover. Uh, so there's rotation within the group and so forth. But for the market, going back to how to think about this, to be unchanged for seven months and to be up 1% for 15 months, basically the total returns of bonds are beating equities for 15 months, the total return of uh, treasuries and corporates, and you haven't been paid for the risk to be in equities. Two drawdowns, one of 10% in January, one of 20. If you put a sharp raiser on the S&P, you'd be like, hey, fire the manager. All right, Carter. Thank you. You got a middle name, Carter? I just Braxton. Braxton. We all Braxton. We all I, I, I told you his is there a number at the end after Worth too? I took, or all or off. I took all the numbers. <laughs> Carter Braxton Worth the fifth or the third? Or? 
Huh? Worth a more. Come on. Oh, you yeah, took the they're, 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 Anyway, Chartmaster, thank you. Thanks. Dom Chu, we're just. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning. We're, we're, yeah, we're just normal folk uh, <laughs> here. Anyway, I'll see you uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Check out uh, some of the big earnings movers. Braxton, how did I know? These guys all knew. I knew. Uh, I, I really I did not know that. Uh, before we had to break, Alphabet getting slammed while chip stock Western Digital is also sinking. We're going to bring you uh, the latest on those moves. Plus, it's uh, delivery drama as retailers race to compete with Amazon's one day shipping. Who's going to come out on top? What are the details? More Fast Money. Still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Amazon is expanding its one-day shipping, prompting other major retailers to speed up their deliveries. Courtney Reagan is back at HQ uh, with the details. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Joe. Well, two days after Amazon announced it wants to give Prime members one instead of two-day shipping, Walmart puts up fighting words, tweeting, quote, one-day free shipping without a membership fee. Now that would be groundbreaking. Stay tuned. A counterpunch and dig at the $119 annual Prime fee. Walmart and Target have spent billions improving digital operations and supply chains to get to free two-day shipping on millions of items with a $35 purchase. But not all retail experts I spoke to agree that the benefit of going from two to one day shipping outweigh the cost, though same day shipping could. Experts disagree about whether one day shipping will encourage or sway more purchasing. Amazon is going to spend $800 million in just the current quarter to cut prime shipping in half. Everybody I spoke to estimates the cost will get higher in the third and the fourth quarters. Walmart doesn't disclose shipping costs, and without more details of the program, analysts aren't estimating the cost to move to one-day shipping. Walmart has said digital losses will be higher this year than last. And a key puzzle piece is if and how Walmart's 4,500 U.S. stores play a role. If the cost equation makes sense, having 90% of the U.S. population within 10 miles of a Walmart store makes the speed doable. While Target has stayed relatively quiet since Amazon's announcement, it too could be close to one-day shipping. After all, its restock program is already doing next day out of stores for 35,000 items in 60 metro areas. It does cost $2.99, and it has that shipped program that offers same-day delivery for $99 a year. Joe? All right. Uh Thanks, Courtney. Uh, who's going to win uh, the shipping wars, and how much does that matter for the stocks? Uh, I forget who you are. That's um, Steve Grosso. Yeah. No, Steve, Steve, no, I know that. I forget, I, I forget which nickname I'm not sure. we use. I'm not, yeah. Whatever you would like. Yeah. I'm not sure Amazon. I'm not sure why they did it, to be honest Hoover. with you. Well, Amazon. I'm not sure why. Oh, you, that was the nickname. Yeah. I'm not sure why they did it, but I do think that out of those three, obviously it goes Amazon, Walmart, Target. Target's taken a hit recently, but it's still up more than the others on a year-to-date basis. I think Target's your buy. Also, coal stores. I'm going to throw another one in there. So if you look at coal stores, they already have an agreement to accept returns from Amazon. I think the real estate is pretty uh, attractive for Amazon. Maybe Amazon gets greedy and wants to take out a brick-and-mortar store. Maybe it's coal stores as well. So I think coal stores are another name that you could throw in there in the retail index. See, I get very concerned about this whole space, and, and it's mostly because labor as a cost of, of their overall goods sold is becoming an enormous piece of the action. Uh, they're all competing massively against Amazon in this consumables, this trillion-dollar consumable space. I don't think they're going to win. Um, I think Walmart, to me, is the one I'm most concerned about because as much as they are a beast, and let's be clear, yes, they can use their stores effectively as logistics and procurement and warehousing. 
Um, I think they're trying to juggle their low price advantage, which is what always it's been, with this whole international thing with, again, rising costs. So I, I, I stay away. So I'm, I'm more in Tim's camp where I think that the competition here is going to be detrimental to all of them. Not, not that necessarily their earnings will go down, but I think it's going to cost them more to do this. So, you know, who, what are they buying? When you think about what comes to your door every day, boxes. So I'll go to international paper. Actually had good earnings last week. Prices might be going up. They make the boxes. Everybody wins with paper with that. second derivative, right? You know, what you did there, which you may or may not realize, your brilliance actually probably subtly did it, but you did a would you rather with us, which is a game we play sometimes here on Fast Money. Would you rather? And so to answer your would you rather question, I'm in a Steve Grasso camp, and I'll say Target, and Mia comes down to valuation. Target at 12 and a half times is too cheap, and Walmart at 20 and a half times is too expensive. Something's got to give, and I think it gives in, the, in, the, in Target catching up in terms of valuation. I think Target's a buy out of the three of those. By that's way, what I would rather. Steve started a would you rather rather, rather right. I believe. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Just paying attention. Mm. All right. You with it, Joe? Check, uh, yep. Let's check you out. Want to bring Dom back in? Yeah, where is he? Uh, <laughs> no, we've got, we've got someone else on deck, which is exciting. Checking out Western Digital sinking after its earnings report. We're going to tell you what it is uh, about that the quarter has investors running scared. Plus, check out uh, the Kramer cam. There's Jim talking to the 3M CEO after that stock uh, got crushed on earnings last week. Catch the full interview at the top of the hour. More Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Western Digital tanking uh, after hours following its earnings report. Aditi Roy has been listening in on that earnings call from San Francisco. What do you've, uh, you got to tell us, Aditi? Yeah, hi there, Joe. The data storage products company says the bottom line miss comes as the industry is grappling with weak data center demand and a downturn in memory chip markets. The company says it expects to see more pressure in its flash gross margins the rest of the year. However, it does expect product demand to improve for the balance of the calendar year. CEO Steve Milligan also spoke about the headwinds and some of the measures they're taking to address them. Demand for flash-based products was slightly better than expect expectations. However, prices declined more than we anticipated. We are executing well on the plans we laid out last quarter in terms of enhancing our product lineup, driving technology advancements, right-sizing our factory production levels, and lowering our cost and expense structure. The company also introduces incoming CFO, who will succeed current CFO, Mark Long. Back to you. All right, uh, Aditi, thank you. you have an opinion on this? Yeah, I do, uh, actually. You guys you have an opinion amazing, on all right? these? That's, that's if you the had game. to ask me, I don't, yeah. uh, I don't know. Cool. I mean, it comes down, well, is this a, is this a commoditized business? And the okay. quarter suggests it is. Gross margins are down, 25.5%. Street was close to 28%. What you have working for you in the stock Said this major double bottom from 2016 to 35, retested it again recently, traded up to 55, now it's backing off. But this quarter, and then the guide for next quarter, even if you give it the midpoint, is disastrous. So you have to ask yourself, has the bounce in the stock too exaggerated and how much downside is there? I think there's further downside, even with what we're seeing in the yeah. market here. I, 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 go ahead. 50% of its revenues are flash, are NAND. It's the same thing as Micron. dependent on, on, on DRAM with Micron. But DRAM looks less constructive to me than NAND does in this one. But you have to understand that when you're looking at this stock, it was up going into this print 
37% basically year to date. So I hear Guy, I think it does have a little more room to the downside, but NAND, where they are 50% uh, reliant on as far as directionality in their stock price, it looks constructive to me versus DRAM uh, and Micron. Yeah, I think you can let this one trade down to $45 or so. I mean, 44.20 has been the kind of support level. So let it trade down to that level, see how it acts, see if the pricing improves, and then you can buy it. At the risk of piling on, I mean, I think even relative to Micron, this thing's very expensive, and, and I don't think you need to do anything here. But, you know, again, we've talked about semis, we've talked about chips, we've talked about memory, and this is not the part of the space you want to be in. All right, <laughs> gentlemen, check. Before we go, check out the shares of Alphabet down 7% uh, after hours, shedding more than $60 billion in market cap, which it had added some of that today, but we'll have more on that. Plus, Wall Street is the most bearish it's been on Apple in nearly two decades as it heads into earnings tomorrow. We'll tell you what to expect when we return. Hey, welcome back to Fast Money. Uh, We want to give you a brief update on Apple's fiscal Q2 earnings that are tomorrow after the close. The options market is implying about a 4.5% move in either direction. That's about 10 bucks, and that is actually shy of the 6% average the stock has moved on the day following earnings over the last four quarters. That does not include that January 3rd 10% plunge on the first negative earnings pre-announcement that company has had in more than a decade. But since then, The stock is up about 45% from those January 3rd lows. It's up 30% on the year. That implied move, less than the average, is kind of interesting when you consider the stock's uh, movement here. Um, I think it's really interesting to kind of think about where this stock has been and where it's going. It's still about 12% off of its all-time highs made last year. And I just want to make one really interesting point about sentiment. Obviously, investors are back in on this trade, but Wall Street analysts have yet to get back on board. I think it has the lowest buy ratings this stock has had in over a decade. About half of the analysts who cover this stock rated a buy and about half rated a hold or a sell. Pretty interesting here as we head into this fiscal Q2, which the guidance going forward is going to be really important, as we know that is a seasonally weak quarter, especially all that semiconductor guidance that we got that's been bad. We just heard NAND flash guidance from Western Digital, not fantastic. So when I look at a low implied move into an earnings print like this after the stock has run this far, I say to myself, if I'm a long holder, how can I protect this stock? I think it's important to remember the at the money call or put is half the implied move. That's about two and a quarter percent. If you are long, puts or put spreads could make sense to protect yourself into a potentially volatile event. So I'll check you guys back here later on the week. Thanks a lot. For more options action, check out the live show Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. More Fast Money right after this break. Welcome back. Let's get a final check on Alphabet. The stock is down more than 7% right now after a big revenue miss in this case. The tech giant citing currency headwinds, among other things. So where does it uh, open tomorrow? Probably around here, but then what, Guy? I think it's going, Joe, I still say it's going to 1150. That's a 50% correction of the December low and the recent high. It makes perfect sense. Overshot to the downside, overshoots to the upside. 1150 makes sense there. That's why I think it goes. All right. It is, uh, we have like a minute. Yeah. So it's time for the final trade. Let's go. It says here around the horn, and that starts with uh, with Tim Seymour, then BK. So check out Otter. We'll we'll put this together because again, 
Um, I could have extended that conversation on Google. Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't I do that now? Because it is my final trade. Look, um, at around 22 times uh, 2020 earnings, I actually think that this is one of the most attractive stocks in the market. This is a pullback that doesn't surprise me. I am concerned about some of the secular issues that may be more uh, what the stock is doing here in the after hours. But you're not selling this on FX. And it could trade lower. It could trade lower as well. I'm jumping in on a final trade. It could trade lower as well. And it's still a better buyer opportunity than a lot of things that are out there. Well, Sorry, I'll tell you, I, well, I'll tell you what. Too. No, that was that was really great insight there. Uh, <laughs> what I would talk about is Cisco, right? I think you want to sell this one. You want to take some profit on this. What have we heard from every single tech person out there? Every single tech data center slowing. Everything's in tech is slowing. Cisco, you want to get out of that. Maybe I should have just skipped right over you with that final <laughs> trade. I don't even think Cisco was still public. Yeah. So everyone knows the damage that's been done at Triple M. You can look at a stock chart. You see it falling off a cliff. You know what I always say? The three-day rule, we're on a couple of days in. You have to keep it on a tight leash right here. I'm not saying go all in. But to me, on a chart, to make your first purchase to Triple M, if you're a new stockholder, this is a pretty good discount. And watch Jim coming up after the show. You back tomorrow, Joe? Back with us? I am not. I am not. not. I, I would have been, but I, I have something. I'm, did, I'm you enjoy, did you enjoy uh, being yeah, here uh, tonight? Be honest. I, I did. I'm gonna have to come up with something else uh, next time, as, as I always do. I like the Delta because I, I think you did. That a, was yeah. natural. That was fun. I mean, I, well, it's just I feel like that when I come in here because you guys are so much uh, testosterone. Next time we'll do Brady Bunch or something. You could just go Brady around. Brady the Bunch would be good. Uh, who's gonna be out? Brady Bunch. Target. Yeah. That's what I'd be. We gotta go. I've never. I'm not gonna miss this. Uh, Join us tomorrow, (laughs) whoever's here, at 5.